First, some somber news to start off with. We wanted to dedicate this episode to the life of Abakar Kazbagov, who unfortunately um, passed away this week. So we wanted to send our thoughts to his family, um, his London Knights teammates, and the entire OHL community. All right. Now, it's never easy to pivot off something like that, but let's get to the rest of the news of the week. And let's start with the Kitchener Rangers, and they continue to load up. And it's uh, that kind of season was written to that point in the OHL where the tread li- deadline is looming. Uh, they, tra- they traded for Francisco or Curry. What was your thoughts on the trade, and what do you think Kitchener is going to continue doing? Well, firstly, I just love to see the Rangers loading up because we had talked about this sporadically over the course of our episodes so far this season that I had predicted Kitchener to have a pretty good season and things didn't go according to plan at the beginning of the year. And, you know, maybe there was a chance that they pivoted and, and did make some moves to sort of become a seller. And now they're playing well. And Mike McKenzie's decided, hey, we're going all in. And so they brought in Lake Moore. They brought in uh, Costantini at the beginning of the year to shore up goaltending. Um, Sar, uh, Sar, uh, actually showed up. And now they brought in uh, our Curry. And that's that's a great, another great addition for that team. Um, one of the best goal scorers in the OHL this year. It's going to fit in really well in that lineup. And uh, I don't think Kitchener's done. I think they're going to keep making moves, maybe on the back end. Um, maybe another sort of like stay-at-home type that's a veteran that can play with guys like um, Moore and Moto and uh, Bruce Davich. So, yeah, it's it's great to see Kitchener loading up. I think they can make noise. Yeah, seeing them add another goal score is, is really good for that offense. Uh, the, the big thing with Kitchener this year, I think, is they've lacked consistency in any aspect of the game, really. So getting another goal score kind of hopefully helps shore that up. Like you said, getting a stay-at-home defenseman, someone to kind of gain some consistency on the back end as well is going to be a, a big deal for them. But there weren't the only ones making moves so far in the OHL this last week. Christian Cairo was brought into Sarnia. What did you think of that trade as the mobile or yeah, mobile fun offensive defenseman goes to that, t- that team? Yeah, I mean, we had joked sort of offline and on Twitter that we had this question sitting in our mailbag for a little bit from a Sarnia fan asking, you know, what, what can Sarnia do to increase their odds of being a contender in the Western Conference? And the two things that I sort of had identified while we were sitting on this question was another big name goal scorer and a really good offensive defenseman. Well, they brought in those two pieces of Pashjov and now with Christian Kairou. And I, I think it's just a perfect fit. I think that Sarnia as an organization has identified their two biggest weaknesses. And uh, obviously there's some things that need to happen. Ben Goudreau needs to come back from the world juniors and, and play a little bit better than he has. And, the team needs to find a little bit more consistency, but it's a, it's a perfect move. And I think Kairou is going to fit in really well with this thing. Yeah. Kairou is a guy I really liked in last year's draft, a guy that has so much offensive creativity and potential. Uh, it, it's going to be fun to see him moving pucks up to guys like past job and Ty Voigt, who another small advantage that people maybe don't think about is they're not going to miss any games being at the world juniors because they were left off that USA team. So it's going to be an advantage for Sarnia going forward with that. And, Again, the busiest team in the OHL since the end of last season. Niagara yet again makes another move. Uh, what wh- what is happening with Niagara? They they bring it. They uh, Sirizadi goes to Sault Ste. Marie. What's happening next? What's their plan? Do they have a plan aside from try to do things to get them a World Cup? I, I just have so many questions. One, <laughs> how many cards do they have left? Like. That's the, like, so you think, okay, they're going to move Sarazadi out. Do they bring somebody in now? Like they did with the whole uh, Zach Lebois trade. 
I don't know. And they have to be running out. Like, there's no way that they have more than, like, three or four cards remaining. Uh, I haven't done the math, but I would imagine it's probably the case. Two, what do yeah. the players in the locker room think in Niagara right now? Um, how, are, how are they going to, when they ultimately have high selections in the OHL draft, they're going to have two this year because they're going to have the um, pick that from last year uh, for Dickinson not reporting, plus their own. How are they going to get a player of any higher sort of caliber to report to that team when things are kind of a bit of a disaster right now? And three, you know, they're hoping to to grab that Memorial Cup bid uh, and be the winner in that selection. And the organization just seems like they are without a sort of, I don't know, plan. Like it's it, I, I, we've talked about it before. It's almost like uh, they're treating it like a fantasy team, like one in, one out. Like there's no way that these players are able to develop the type of chemistry. There needs to be some patience here. Um, I don't know if you saw the article from the Magra owner, his Q&A recently. It was kind of like, I appreciated his honesty, but at the same time, there were some of the quotes in there that made me think like, I don't know if you're going to get that Memorial Cup bid with – some stronger bids in place and what's going on on the ice this year. Um, I know that's sort of like a long winded answer, but I really have no idea what's happening in Niagara right now. Yeah. I think your comparison comparison to a fantasy team is really spot on because what I was going to say is it's almost like a little kid playing NHL and on the video games there, you can just make trades at will and don't worry about chemistry. Don't worry about bringing guys in travel doesn't actually matter and stuff in that in the video game. And that's how Sar- or, uh, Niagara's kind of treating this season. They're just bringing guys in. I think this brings them up to 29 trades since the end of last season or 29 moves. You can't develop any chemistry when you're doing stuff like that. They brought guys in and traded them out since the start of last season. They brought guys in and sent them back out of town in another trade weeks later. Like What's going on in Niagara right now is dysfunctional to say the least, but it's certainly not going to help their bid for the Memorial Cup. I know uh, the owner wants it, the team wants it, the, the community wants it, but if I'm looking at that, that team and that city and everything, I'm like, there's just stronger bids. There's stronger, stronger teams that can offer a little bit of stability. Cause at the end of the day, you still do want the host city to be a competitive team, to be a team that's worth being there. I think that's a, one of the big things that the CHL's tried to do is ensure that the host city is at least a relevant team. And the way Niagara is going right now, the only reason they're relevant is because they continue just making trades. Yeah, and it's it's too bad because that facility is gorgeous in Niagara. It's it's relatively new um, in terms of you know OHL sort of the landscape of the OHL, right? Um, the community deserves it for sure. They would support it. They would go to it. Um, I just like you said, the worst or the biggest disaster for the CHL is if they award uh, a host team the Memorial Cup, and that team ends up being just absolutely terrible. And they've got that automatic bid into the Memorial Cup. And it's just a look, it's not a good look for the league, right? So the league is going to try to avoid any sort of situation like that. And with Niagara just not being good this year, and I don't think there's any guarantee that they're good next year. I just can't, I can't see it. I, I just, it just seems too risky for the league, despite the fact that there are some real positives to putting a Memorial Cup in Niagara. All right, now let's move to another team that seems to be losing direction a little bit, and that's Owen Sound, who's winless and sticks straight. What What's going on there? What, what do you think's wrong with Owen Sound? 
Yeah, it's a tough stretch for them. I think there's a bunch of different things sort of at play here. One, in the last week or so, they've missed Denny Gore and uh, Sergei Petrovsky. So Gore's out with a facial injury. I think he's out for at least another week. Uh, Petrovsky's obviously at the World Junior, so he's going to be out for uh, at least another week uh, or so once the holiday freeze is over. Um, I also think that Owen Sound is a team that was maybe playing higher than I thought they would at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think that they were sort of like a team I expected to be good in the Western Conference, but not great. I kind of thought, saw them as I have a big container next year. I kind of thought like next year would be their, their really big year. They've got a solid group of O3s and O4s, and their O3s have a chance of probably coming back as um, overagers, uh, like Denny Gore, for example. Um, so I kind of saw them as being like a good team this year, but probably like a year away from being a true championship contender. And I kind of think that they're falling back down to earth a little bit, um, you know, having trouble keeping the puck out of their net. Obviously, you know, some injuries have, have occurred and some absences due to the world juniors like Petrovsky, but every team in the OHL sort of goes through those. Um, I think it's a, it's a big next sort of month for Owen Sound. Uh, I, I do think so. I think that the month of January is going to be really big for them because if they continue to struggle in a really tough conference, they're going to find themselves slipping down and it might be difficult for them to recover. Yeah, I think what you mentioned there where they started hotter than we kind of expected. Now, I think we see this at all levels of hockey. We talk about it in the NHL. We talk about it in the OHL. Regressing to the mean, regressing back to where you probably should be is always a thing that we we end up looking at and go, oh, they're on a hot streak. They're on a, a poor streak. They're struggling, and, and then they go on a hot streak. I mean, you look at any team in the NHL, the Ottawa Senators were performing completely under expectations, and now they've kind of gotten back to where everyone thought they were just outside of a playoff spot. The Leafs had a poor stretch. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning had a poor stretch to start the season, and then they both get extremely hot, and, and now they're basically where we kind of thought they would be at the start of the season. With Owen Sound's case, they're a team that started off extremely hot. I mean, you, you can almost look at Colby Barlow's season as the exact personification of, of their season in, in, as a whole. He started out like, on fire, scoring every goal, that every shot that he took towards the net. A puck would go off of him and go in. It was insane how, how much production this kid was getting. And he, while he's still producing, he's slowed down a bit a little bit recently over the last few weeks. And with that, the team has also slowed down in the wind column and kind of collecting uh, points in the standing. So it's almost like, yeah, no player is going to shoot 35% all year long. They're going to go through ebbs and flows. They're going to have a two week stretch where they shoot 35 and then a, a week and a half long stretch or a two week stretch where they shoot 5%. At the end of the day, you're probably going to get the team that we you expect from the Owen sound attack where they're going to be a good team, but maybe not a great team like we were seeing early on. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good point. I mean, Look at some of the ebbs and flows that have happened already this year. London started so poorly, and now they're on top of that division because of a, a really solid sort of like month and a half, two month stretch. Um, you know, Kitchener, we just talked about, started off very poorly, and now they're they're buying because they're playing so well right now. Mississauga, kind of similar to Owen Sound. They were a team that we expected to sort of be near the top of the conference, maybe not directly at the top, but near the top. And now they're sort of struggling and trying to figure out I mean, likely trying to figure out, are we a buyer? Are we a seller? Um, because it probably doesn't make sense to hold ground. They've got some good OAs there. And it's a situation of, okay, if we don't think that we can win the conference, do we move somebody um, that we can get a pretty good return for? Or 
you know, if we're going to hang on to them, we should probably add to try to figure out what's wrong with our hockey team, right? So this type of year is very difficult for a lot of OHL teams because the league is is streaky. You're going to go through these injuries uh, and you're going to go through players that miss time. And it's about trying to have the right depth in place to to mitigate that. Yeah, something you always talk about in sports is you never want to be in the mushy middle, and that's where a lot of teams end up at the end of the year. And and you want to be a team that's either going for the championship or going for that first overall pick. The OHL is obviously a little bit different with with players needing to develop and it being so cyclical, but you still the mushy middle is always a tough spot to be in. Let's go to our third three stars of the week, though. Moving on to the next topic of the day, and we have our first repeat star for the first star, Matt Maggio, with a five goal performance for Windsor, six goals over two games. He's been absolutely lighting the score sheet up lately. What have you liked about Matt Maggio's game? Yeah, I mean, I watched that five goal game, and he was just everywhere. Like he, I really do. We talked about this last week. I think he's one of the best players in the OHL right now. Um, I think that. It was a really wise decision to send him back to the OHL for his OA year to play possibly and now definitely without Wyatt Johnston. And he sort of made Windsor his team and he's put them on his back. And it it seems like every week he's going to be part of this three stars conversation. And maybe we (laughs) kind of rigged it a little bit to have him back at (laughs) number one, maybe Evan Beerling, who we're going to talk about next, who was the OHL uh, skater of the week. Uh, maybe deserved it a little bit more, but I mean, you, you got to look at Maggio's five goal game and the, the next game was, was the game winner, I believe, right? The, even though yep. he only had one goal in that one. So he's just making an impact uh, every night for the Spitfires who were finding themselves in the top of the Western conference. Yeah. I think like, like you said, Veerling who had I think 10, 10 points in four games through this week, obviously a great performance in his own right. But with Matt Maggio, you don't score five goals in a game very often uh, at any level, OHL, NHL, AHL, even junior or midget, junior A, stuff like that. You, you don't see that. So that's a special performance, which, like you said, we've rigged it a little bit to give him the first start of the week, but it, it's a huge performance. I think he's been excellent for Windsor uh, going, going through the year. And he's been that difference maker where, like you said, they haven't had Wyatt Johnson. And it, it's great to see because as a guy who's in Windsor, I see a lot of Windsor games live and it's fun to watch when uh, the team's at least being competitive and winning. So uh, moving on to Evan Veerling, who, like I said, 10 points, five goals, five assists in four games. Guy that he, I've always looked at this player as a guy who has all of the talent in the world. He just hasn't been able to piece it together consistently. He certainly pieced it together this week, though. Yeah, he's really on fire. And I'm not, not just this week. I feel like he's really sort of improved – almost like in a, on a monthly basis. I feel like every month he's, he's becoming better. And I hope that it's because he's, he's highly motivated to get an NHL contract. Obviously the Rangers didn't end up signing him. He comes back to Barry as an OA and hopefully he's playing this way because he's got that chip on his shoulder. And I think if he continues to play this way, he is somebody who's going to possibly earn an NHL deal. Um, I think a lot of it will have to do how he closes the season and, and perhaps how he plays in the playoffs with Barry, especially if they get, we're going to talk about later in this show, but possibly if they get Brad Clark back after World Juniors, Barry is suddenly looking like a contender in the Eastern Conference, and and Veerling is going to be their go-to offensive force with Ethan Cardwell, and those two kind of work off of each other, and uh, yeah, Veerling, Veerling has had a great week, and hopefully he keeps it up. 
All right. Now for our third star of the week, we could have gone with an uh, one of the older players, a player, a friend of the show, Josh Bloom, who had four goals and two assists this week. Could have gone with a draft eligible with Carson Raycroft, who had two goals and three assists in two games. But we went with a goalie because we feel like we always need to have a goalie in here. And we got Marco Constantini, two wins, a shutout, and a 981 save percentage on the week. What did you like about his game this week? Well, it's just great to see, again, the Rangers getting the goaltending that they were hoping they were going to get when they acquired him, right? He was the starter for the Bulldogs last year. I mean, that's why Mike McKenzie brought him in to shore up that position. And the beginning of the season, I don't think he was playing poorly, but I don't think he was playing up to his capability. And I think the last month or so with Kitchener playing well, he's also upped his game and very, very deserving of the goaltender of the week in the OHL. And I think deserving of a place on this list. I agree with you there. It's been fun to see him play for Kitchener and bring that consistency in the back end. Like I said, Kitchener's biggest problem this year has been consistency in all three facets of the game. But Constantini seems to bring a little bit of the consistency to the net that they need. And having him have this big week right, going into Christmas or going into the holidays, it's going to be big for Kitchener because they're going to need a huge second half to be the team that we kind of thought they would be at the start of the year. And he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And so we'll the players that they've brought in and the players that they've had previously and staying healthy is going to be a big part of it. But um, I think you and I are both on the same page and believing that the Rangers can make a, a deep run in the Western conference, kind of maybe similar to the way that Windsor sort of crept up on everybody last year. Yeah, exactly. Very, very similar mold into what you, you think they could do. Uh, let's move on to our next topic of the day. This is a fun little topic. The holidays are coming up. So we figured we'd do some holiday wishes for, for around the OHL each of us chose three wishes. I figure we can go back and forth, exchange the wishes that we have for the OHL teams. So I'll let you go first. What's your first wish for the for an OHL team or player? So first wish I'm going with is the Oshawa Generals getting a good return for Brett Harrison. Um, I think there's no secret that he probably moves sometime between now and the trade deadline. They've already moved out late more. This is a team who finds themselves near the bottom. They're playing better, but near the bottom of the Eastern Conference and – He's probably one of the better players going to be available at the trade deadline. So I would love to see Oshawa get a good return for him um, and help them with their sort of, I'm not going to call it a full rebuild, uh, but sort of their retool. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. And my first wish is going to kind of tie in with that. And it's Cal Ritchie finds some chemistry and really hits his stride offensively in the second half of the year. And I think he's going to be looked at to be the guy in Oshawa going forward. And, it's going to be interesting to see who he finds chemistry with and if he can kind of recover some of the draft stock that he's lost throughout the season early on. It's been an up and down year for him. I think the process is still very much there. He just isn't finding the score sheet as much as we all kind of thought he would. So it's going to be interesting. The entire situation in Oshawa is going to be interesting as they look to possibly revamp that roster and bring in some, some better players for the future and younger players get younger. But Brett Harrison going out, probably going to get a good return. And that leaves Cal Ritchie as the guy up front. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great one. Uh, my second one is something we kind of alluded to already, and that is Barry getting Brett Clark back after the World Juniors. This team is playing really well lately, and getting Clark back would, I think, push them over the edge to being, I'm not going to say the main contender in the Easter Conference, but definitely one of the main contenders with North Bay, who's also playing really well. Um, Peterborough, who you know is pro, I mean, you assume is going to make another move to try to help find some consistency because they've already made some moves. 
Uh, but that would that would be huge, huge for the Colts and huge for the OHL as well to get a star player back. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to see Brand Clark come back to the OHL after the, the World Juniors because, like you said, he's he's had some time with the Kings. He's had some time in the AHL with that conditioning stint. So it'll be it'll be fun to see him hopefully get back in the AH, or OHL, playing some big minutes and, and being a real big difference maker. And that's exactly what my next wish is. It's it's my hope is that Windsor gets a difference maker to see if they can make another run and go back to the OHL final and maybe win it this time because I mentioned I'm in Windsor. I see a lot of Windsor games live and. At the end of the day, I, I just want to see some games deep into the playoffs and, and maybe see them make a run. And a, another difference maker, I think, up front would, would be big for them. Even on the back end, I think this team is solid. They just don't have that next level. We talked about Matt Maggio taking on a, a big role offensively and, and being the guy now that Wyatt Johnston's gone. But I still think they need a little something to make it pop in Windsor. Yeah, I mean, maybe Brad Harrison is the guy they're targeting, <laughs> right? Like, um yeah, I think that's another good one, Tony. My last one, kind of on the same sort of vein as my previous one, and that is when Ben Goudreau returns from the World Juniors, that he's able to find some consistency in his game, and it helps the Sting sort of establish themselves as a powerhouse in the Western Conference. I think that we both have talked about his struggles this year. We had Scott Wheeler on talking about how he, you know, he wasn't terrific at the World Junior Camp, but Hockey Canada went with somebody they were very familiar with. I'm really hoping that this tournament helps him find his confidence again. He returns to the OHL, has a really strong second half, and uh, a strong playoffs. Yeah, Ben Gruder is a favorite player of mine, and one of my favorite players in the OHL, so I'd love to see him come back confident. And as for my last one, we're going to go from one black and yellow team to another, and I'd love to see North Bay wear that third jersey more often. I think it's a fun jersey. It is kind of similar to the Sarnia Sting jersey a little bit. But at the end of the day, that tank on the front looks really good. North Bay hasn't had a third jersey before. So getting this one in there is fun to see. I always love seeing teams do something with the third jersey. It'd be a little bit fun. Gets fans involved a little bit. Gets them a little hyped up for it as well. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be straight with you. I've hated that puke green jersey for years. And I know that's going to get some hate from OHL faithful. It's a, it's a classic OHL jersey, the, the North Bay color and, and that battalion green or whatever it is. Everyone loves it. I, I'm very much on the opposite side of the fence, so I'd love to see them wear that third jersey more often. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, I do like the the puke green or whatever you just called it <laughs> jersey, uh, but I do think their third jersey is also quite sharp. So that's a good one, Tony. All right, let's move on to the team of the week now. There's only one prospect for the Calgary Flames who we moved to this week, and that's Jack Beck from the Ottawa 67s. Two goals, 11 assists for 13 points in 10 games on the year. He's having a pretty solid season with the Ottawa 67s. What have you liked about his game so far? Well, I mean, he hasn't played in, in a while, and I kind of feel for Jack Beck. I thought he looked really good at the beginning of the year with Ottawa starting off so well and him playing really well, um, especially after his tough season last year with that whole – um, really serious kidney injury that he suffered. I thought he looked quicker to start this year, which was really important for him in his possible final year in the OHL uh, before turning pro if if the Calgary Flames were, were going to make sort of that move. And then he suffers this upper body injury that's kept him out since late October and hasn't returned yet. I, I do like Jack Beck as a player. I think that there is an NHL or a potential NHL future for him is if, if he can continue to improve the skating. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he's somebody who thinks the game on a really high level. 
I think he's a very well-rounded offensive player. I think that he is a committed two-way player. I think that sort of goes hand in hand with that hockey sense. It's just the, the injury, he's, he's got to stay healthy. And when you need to play the way that Beck does, sort of with that chip on your shoulder, or a little bit of a pest type role, it becomes difficult, right? Because if your body's not able to withstand those sort of rigors, does it force you to change the way that you play? And then you're not quite as effective. I think the Leafs are, not to derail it, but the Leafs are kind of going through the same thing with Nick Robertson right now. Like Nick Robertson has to play a certain way to be an impact player and he keeps getting injured with the way that he's playing. So does that mean he needs to alter it? And does that make him a less effective player and a worse NHL prospect? for lack of a better term. And Jack Peck is kind of going through something similar, I think. Yeah, like you said, I think the, the skating has always been the knock on his game. I think he's always been a pretty smart player, guy guy that knows where to be, where when to kind of be there, gets into the spots at the, the right time. But he's going to need to take his mobility up to the next level as he gets kind of advances in his hockey career. <laughs> the injuries are an issue, though. This is now the second year in a row that he's had something kind of major happen at the end of the day. Like, Kidney injuries are pretty unfortunate and stuff, but the upper body injury this year, obviously none of them are his fault. But it, like you said, it, it's one of those things where availability is a skill at the end of the day. And I think not being in the lineup, not being able to kind of contribute the way he was starting, like it's like you said at the start of the year where he was doing pretty well, it, it, it's unfortunate to see. You want to see him get back and get healthy. It, but he is a good prospect. I think he's a guy that could end up being on a, on a third, fourth line playing that chippy game, playing that energy role, and, and still being able to set guys up. I think the one thing that is underrated in this game is the fact that he is a, a smart enough playmaker that he's able to advance playoff ice. Is he going to be a dynamic guy? No, probably not. He's not going to be a guy that goes and blows anyone out of the water with point totals or, or is a guy that threatens to really be a staple in the top six. But he's certainly a guy that knows how to kind of advance play properly, and he goes through the process that you want to see of a pro pro player. And he does that. It's going to be, can he get healthy and can he get moving a little bit better? Yeah. And I, I hope that he's able to return soon. There hasn't really been an announced timeline on that. So maybe after the holiday season, we see the return of Jack Beck and he's able to sort of finish the season very strong uh, and help Ottawa make a deep run. All right. Now, something we've been wanting to get to for a few weeks now, now that we've kind of answered the Sarnia question that we've been sitting on for a while, is a mailbag. And, and let's start off with uh, one of the first question we got was from uh, was about Quentin Musty, an initial draft prospect that's very much viewed as a hit and miss guy. Um, the, the question says hit and miss up and down, in and out, hot and cold. What can he do to change that aura? What, what can he do that he hasn't done? And, and what does he need to do to kind of become that guy that people have kind of been hoping to see over the last couple of years and are people not watching his draft year tape? Are they consistently kind of still holding that D one tape against him because he was kind of up and down at the Halinka, but he was also a guy that scored in every game there. So what, what's kind of the next step for Quentin Musty essentially? I mean, this is a really, really good question. And I think it's something that we as scouts, when I say we sort of the amateur internet scouts, whatever you want to call us, Tony, um, and, and NHL scouts alike, everybody that scouts is going to have to ask themselves about Quentin Musty this year. I think since the coaching change, and we've sort of talked about this, I think since the coaching change, we've seen a very positive change in his consistency as somebody who's using his size to get to the middle, to get to the net and play in the corners, which I think was an inconsistent part of his game previously. So I think that's a major positive. 
Number two, I think that we're seeing him more dialed in consistently offensively too. He's not he's not floating as much when he doesn't have the puck. Um, he seems very, very, very committed to earning his touches and doing the most with those. And you're seeing the consistent production. Uh, he's somebody who's now found himself towards the top of the OHL points race, and it's it's well deserved. I think the big thing for me is even as I continue to watch Musty, and I spent some time on the weekend really watching Sudbury's games sort of post-coaching change because there was a few players I really wanted to get and I a better read on, and Musty was one of them. I still think that there are some inconsistencies in his reads and his decision-making with the puck. Um, and that's ultimately where he's going to have to improve to change sort of that aura for me. And I still see him as sort of like a risky pick because of that, because you can be the most skilled, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't think the game at that sort of high level, when you move forward to the NHL, your game falls behind, no matter how quick you are or how skilled you are. And those turnovers are going to be magnified at the NHL level if that part of his game doesn't improve. Now, granted, I think he's definitely risen and deserved to rise on draft boards. I think he's definitely somebody who should be ranked firmly in everybody's first round. Um, but I still think that there that aura is going to surround him until he proves to me that those turnovers and those reads are consistently better. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I think the big thing with Quentin Musty this year for me is, like you said, since that coaching change, engagement has been the big word I've, I've used with him. He seems engaged in so many more aspects of the game. He seems focused on being a difference maker while not trying to be a hero. I think that was a big thing at, at the fault of his game last year and go, coming into this year early on was that he was trying to play that hero hockey I've talked about many times with different prospects. And he wasn't necessarily a guy that could do that consistently. He's not a guy like Connor Bedard who can go out and, and be the difference maker on any given play. He's a guy that has to be a difference maker through various means. And, and that sometimes means the puck's not on his stick. It means he's facilitating to his teammates. And I think we've seen that a lot more since the, the coaching change. He's, he's more willing to use different guys. And I think that's a, a big thing for him. And I think with that, we're starting to see the decision-making process that we questioned early on in the year leak over into his playmaking side of the game because I think he's starting to try to facilitate more, and that's where we're seeing some of these turnovers pop up. Like you said, there still is a little bit of concern there for that. Um, the engagement, keep that up. If he can keep that going through the rest of the year, it's going to be a big thing for him. And the other thing I'll mention with him is I don't think Quinton Musty has a bad shot, but this is a kid who's shooting into the center of the chest or just outside of the post so often. I don't know if he needs to get with a shooter trainer or do some extra shots after after practice or what it is, but his shot is good. We've seen it go in at different tournaments. We've seen it go in at, at the OHL level. He's a guy that I think has a good high-level shot. It's just not going in for him this year. So if he can get that kind of going in for the rest of his game, I think that's going to be a big deal for him because if he's gotten this new playmaking aspect to his game that I think is taking a step especially since the coaching change, if he can add that goal-scoring touch that we've seen in flashes throughout his OHL and, and midget career, I think that's going to be what can possibly propel him into being in that upper tier of the OHL guys in the straps. So it's, it's going to be really interesting because I do think he's a guy that can certainly rise up and, and maybe even make claim to being the best OHLer because the talent's there. It's just going to be about what is he doing with it. Yeah, and sort of going on on the line with that, 
the U.S. does not bring non-NTDP kids very often to the U18s, but with Sudbury sort of being near the bottom of the standings right now, I would love to see Musty added uh, to the U18 roster um, with him, you know, being probably their best player at the Helenke, even though the, that team was fairly disappointing. Um, they do do it every once in a while, and I would just love to see him added to that, to, to see him play in that tournament. Sort of yeah, like a sidebar, be- but I think that would be a very interesting thing to happen. Yeah, it'd be really interesting because even when they do it, it's usually U.S. high school kids from Minnesota or Bar, Massachusetts and stuff like that. So seeing them bring in an OHL like that would be really fun because I think Musty could be that difference maker. I think he could be a Ryan Leonard on the second line playing with Oliver Moore or something or or be a, a depth scorer on the third line even. It'd be really interesting to kind of see him there, and I'd love to see it. Whether it happens or not, that's, uh, that's a USA hockey politics thing that we'll have to see and, and wait and see for. Getting to the next question we have from John. Which OHL acquisition do you think is going to have the biggest impact for the rest of the season? I'm going to give you two answers. The first one is a hypothetical, and that is if somebody's able to pry Logan Morrison away from the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, He's probably going to be the highest impact center available uh, to a team. Obviously, they have to juggle some away stuff, but he's, he's going to be a player with how well he played in the OHL playoffs last year. That can be a difference maker for a team that wants that playoff push. I, I think Hamilton will probably end up selling off at the deadline, and I, I do think he has a good chance of moving. So he would be sort of like that number one. Somebody that's already moved, I'm going to go with Cairo. We've talked about sort of why um, I think he has a chance to, to really push Sardin over the edge. All right, I'm going to cheat a little because he wasn't dealt – well, he was kind of dealt recently, but I'm, I'm going to go with Sasha Pashajov, a guy we've seen play with Ty Voigt, really be a difference maker at the OHL level. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder after being left off the world junior team, despite being what would have been a returnee. And I think he's a guy that I can just absolutely absolutely fill the score sheet. Can he, can he be the guy that continues helping put Sarnia over the top as they maybe even continue to add a little bit? I wouldn't be shocked to see them making maybe one more addition. Uh, as we kind of get to the trade deadline in January, I think Sasha Pashov can be the guy, but Christian Kyrou is going to be fun. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who else Kitchener adds and where does Brett Harrison land? Cause like we alluded to earlier, he's probably going to get moved and wherever he has moved to, he's going to be a really high impact piece for that team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Another question from another John, which OHL team do you think could be a surprise buyer or seller at the deadline? I'm going to go with Saginaw. And I'll tell you why. I think we've already seen that they are sort of building towards next year. I think that the team wanted to improve after last year's very, very disappointing year. And they have. But their timeline, if they want that Memorial Cup bid, is going to be next year. They've got Pavel Minchukov, who's not going to be back in the OHL next year. Do they try to flip Minchukov for somebody who is going to be an impact player next year. Like if they deal Minchikov, I don't think it's for picks. I think it would be for another import who's going to be back next year and who's going to be an impact player or um, another player who can be an impact player in their lineup next year, maybe defense, maybe forward, somebody who can play for them next year because it's not going to be Minchikov. And if that makes them a little worse this year, um, makes it so that they don't have as deep of a playoff run. I think that's something that maybe Saginaw management is able to live with because 
it does seem after they move Bloom, it does sort of seem, and obviously the Hunter Hate deal as well, bringing him in as, to be part of that team next year, that they're really pushing towards uh, a 2024 OHL championship and possible Memorial Cup. Mine's going to be the team that continues making moves seemingly every week, and it's Niagara. Whether they're a buyer or a seller, I couldn't tell you, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do because I think they're going to be active. They've always been active every week. It seems like we're talking about a new trade with them. So seeing what they do and whether it is either going to be a buyer or a seller, I think they're going to, like you said, similar to Saginaw, they're going to try to build up for next year. But what does that mean for Niagara? Does that mean they're going to try to just recycle in guys for, for this year and next year? It doesn't mean that they're going to try to bring in an impact guy. Are they going to be wild and try to go and get a guy uh, 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 like Pavel Minchikov and hope he does come back next year, despite the fact that he probably won't. It, what is Niagara going to do? They're a wild card team right now. And I think it, it's, it's going to be fun to see what they do. I mean, the thing is a lot of these bigger end guys, like, like a Brett Harrison, for example, are going to have no trade clauses, right? Is anybody going to waive it to go to Niagara right now with the team near the bottom of the standings? I just can't see it. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with them at the deadline. They're going to bring in four guys, send out another five, and, and we'll have a whole new team by the end of the season. <laughs> All right, now let's get to our last one, and it's one that we've had a, a few times when we've done these mailbag questions, but it's always a fun one. And This is from a good friend of ours, Manny Pava. Uh, which NHL draft-eligible prospect from the OHL has surprised you this season? Focus on the good or the bad. What is your choice? I am going to let you take somebody I know you're going to say. At least I'm – I don't know. We're trying to do like the shining right now with Tony. And uh, I think he's going to pick a certain Ottawa 67. So I am going to go with two guys that I think are flying under the radar a little bit right now. The first would be Easton Cowan in London. I think that he has emerged as somebody that they can count on with Denver Barkey moving forward in the future. I think he's somebody who's put himself on the NHL scouting map as even a, pot a potential top 100 pick. So that'd be sort of number one for me. It's been a big surprise. Number two, uh, I'm going to go with Quentin Burns in Kingston. He's somebody who wasn't really on my radar entering the year um, as part of this defensive crop from the OHL. And I think he's had a really good year for Kingston, who I would say play a, played above expectations so far this year. He's sort of quarterbacking their main power play. Um, and playing very well. And uh, those two, I think, I, I would not going to use the word guaranteed, but I think that they have come close to guaranteeing themselves uh, an NHL draft selection with uh, their play this year. All right. And I'll go with the boy you think I was going to go with from the 67s. That's Luca Pinelli, a guy that, while he was on my radar, he was pretty low on it. He was a guy that I thought, oh, third round maybe, and he'd be a guy that I would worry about kind of in that range. But he's been, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best, OHL forwards in this draft class. I think he's done so many things this year to kind of just showcase the fact that he's not only going to be a, a guy that can score and put the puck in the net and, and be a, a generator of offense, but be a play connector too. And I think that's the big thing with him is he does so many of the little things as you work up from the defensive zone up ice. He's one of the best four checkers in the entire draft class, I think, regardless of league. And I think that's a big thing as well as you get to the NHL that is so much more focused on being a four-checking game. But I'll give you another one as well. And you mentioned him in the last when you were going, and that's Denver Barkey, a guy from the London Knights who was left off the top prospects game roster. And I will continue to say that that's an injustice. 
But this kid, despite only being 5'9", plays the game with a lot of pep, a lot of pace, and, and really gets in there and plays the game the right way. I think he plays a little bit bigger than his size indicates. He's not a guy that gets pushed around all that much. He does get pushed around a little bit because he's a 5'9 guy. But he's a guy that I just love watching. I look at him on the nights and I go, that's a guy that's going to be a player that we look at this year. And his production's good but not amazing. Next year we're going to look back on him and go, yeah, why were we sleeping on this kid? Because he's got all the talent in the world, and he plays the game with a lot of smarts and a lot of intelligence. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And he's been one of the main reasons why Ottawa has been so good this year. Uh, they've gotten a lot of positive progression, a lot of positive development has been seen in their younger players, and it's why they're sort of ahead of their timeline. All right, Brock, we're going to wrap up today's episode, and uh, I'd like to end it on a, a solemn note again. Sending out our condolences to the family and friends, the uh, London Knights, the OHL community on Abdikar. Kazbikov, who passed away, unfortunately, last week. Uh, it, it's unfortunate any time a young player loses his life. An 18-year-old is gone, and it's not necessarily something that we want to see. But with that said, we're going to end the show here. We wish everyone a happy holidays. We will be taking a two-week hiatus. Uh, we'll be back after the World Juniors, after the holidays, and we'll be back to talk everything OHL. And by that point, I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about on the OHL trade front. Absolutely. Have a great holidays, everybody.